You're listening to Truth Be Told by Digital Rebel. Club of Rome member and co-author of The Limits of Growth, Dennis Meadows, offers an insight into the totalitarian, anti-human, depopulation-obsessed mindset of globalist technocrats masquerading behind the facade of environmentalism. In one way or another, we are so far, globally, we are so far above the population and the consumption levels which can be supported by this planet that I know in one way or another it's going to come back down. So I don't hope to avoid that. Uh, I hope that it can occur in a a, a civil way. I, I, and I mean civil in a, in a special way. I, peaceful. Peace doesn't mean uh, that everybody's happy. But it means that conflict isn't solved through violence, through through force, uh, but rather in other ways. And so uh, that's what I hope for. Uh, that we can, I mean, the planet can support something like a billion people, maybe two billion, depending on how much liberty and how much material consumption you want to, to, to have. If you want more liberty and more consumption, you have to have fewer people. And conversely, you can have more people. I mean, we could even have eight or nine billion, probably, if we have a very strong dictatorship, which is smart. That's, unfortunately, you never have smart dictatorships. They're always stupid. So, But if you had a smart dictatorship, and a low standard of living, you can have a, but, but we want to have freedom and we want to have a high sentence. So we're going to have a billion people. And we're now at seven, so we have to get back down. I hope that this can be slow, relatively slow, and that it can be done in a way which is relatively equal, uh, you know, so that people share uh, the experience and they don't have a few rich, you know, trying to force everybody else to, to deal with it. So those are my hopes. I mean, these are pretty pessimistic hopes, you know, but I mean, that's, that's what lies ahead. Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Truth Be Told by Digital Rebel, a podcast that brings you uncensored investigative journalism. Well, it's Sunday, the 7th of May. It's 11.19am. 2023. I write this podcast during one of the most important times in British modern history, according to the powers that be. Yesterday was the coronation of King Charles III. I've been trying to figure out something for years about Charles and his decisions and his behaviours. And it's this. Either has he been conned or is he part of the crew, so to speak, doing the conning? Now I speak about climate change and everything that comes with it. 
I speak about how Charles has been a leading figure in trying to reshape our world, the World Economic Forum way. The conclusion I, find, I finally came to some time ago was Charles, or well, King Charles III as of yesterday. He must know what he preaches about climate change. It is dodgy science, political science. He must know the Great Reset, as he named it himself for the World Economic Forum, is, let's say, the complete totalitarian way to go. Now, has he pledged his allegiance to who he just thinks might win this war? And it is a war, not just the typical war we're used to, but more of a psychological war, a war of fear, let's say. Now, is Charles a leader in this movement? And has he a seat at the final table? His thought processes being winner, winner, chicken dinner? I think he has. I think, you know, he knows. Charles breathes hypocrisy, which helped me come to this conclusion I did. The conclusion being King Charles III is one of the leading figures in this phony movement of corrupt governments, political science, technocracy, bought and bribed mainstream media, and the total collapse of our way of life. This is a man who cannot be trusted. And now he's King Charles III. <laughs> if Charles and his unelected NGOs do get their way, then George Orwell's 1984 will be our new world. The hypocrisy regarding King Charles III, who has just given his royal seal of approval to new laws in the UK, which states that gene-edited foods being sold in our supermarkets no longer require labels to state that they are gene-edited foods, and they can now sit on the shelves alongside organically grown foods. Now, this is just another cruel trick played on the British public. And just more evidence that our governments have been infiltrated by the World Economic Forum and partners, Charles included. Despite the fact that King Charles was the person who launched the Great Reset, when the World Economic Forum had their launch party, it was King Charles that was the first speaker. <clears throat> but of course, King Charles flies around the world in private jets. This is a man who has over 120 personal staff to take care of his every whim. King Charles not only travels around with his personal chefs, but he has his own personal food supply. His own personal food supply brought along everywhere he goes and his food is organic food only, as he won't touch the gene edited crap that he so willingly thrusts upon his public. But don't worry, folks, the One Health Joint Plan of Action that's been shoved down our throats by the World Health Organization and partners will say this. <laughs> this is in the name of protecting the planet from all those horrible farms that are producing this horrible greenhouse gas emission. And to stop us all from consuming what we've been consuming from thousands of years, meat. They are telling us 
what we need to do is eat bioengineered lab produced mush in which the biggest corporations have already monopolized the industry well in advance so far in advance you might say that <laughs> were they following a plan set out years ago can anyone see this plan yet i mean it's so fucking obvious anyone okay class hands down let me just tell you gmo impossible burger tested 11 times higher in glyphosate or weed killer residue than a normal burger and you don't really need me to tell you that glyphosate is a massive carcinogenic anyone who's not disgusted by the hypocrisy of this agenda truly isn't paying attention and this agenda they're pushing has nothing to do with saving the planet i'll repeat that it's nothing to do with saving the planet co2 is not the cause of climate change talk about climate change so we are told carbon emissions are responsible for climate change so co2 is the culprit here so let's destroy this narrative with their own numbers in the example of canada we are paying a carbon tax because justin trudeau deems it necessary for the people to pay for their own emissions their contributions to this climate change we are emitting a lot of co2 so we are causing these climate problems i don't see any problems but okay let's go with that there are 318 billion trees in Canada. One mature tree clears or absorbs 48 pounds of CO2 per year. This means 7.6 billion tons of CO2 are absorbed by trees every year. Now, it is estimated that 545 million tons of CO2 is produced in Canada every year, which means the trees in Canada, and I'm not talking about all the other vegetation other than trees. We're not talking about that. We're not including that. Which means trees only in Canada absorb 14 times more than the carbon emission of Canada, and we are made to pay a carbon tax. So tell me again what it is about. Is it about climate change? It's not. If there's no CO2, we are doomed. There cannot be life without CO2. Now let's talk about the U.S. There are 228 billion trees in the United States with the capacity to clean 5.47 billion tons of CO2 every year. And the U.S. produces 5 billion tons of CO2, which means the trees only absorb more than carbon emissions in the United States. So what are we talking about? Now let's move a little further. There's an estimate of 3 trillion trees around the world. The worldwide CO2 emission is at 37 billion tons, but the trees around the world absorb 72 billion, almost 73 billion tons of CO2, which means the trees around the world have the capacity to absorb twice as much carbon emission. Wake up, there's no CO2 problem. There's no carbon emission problem. There's no climate change. Wake up, people. It seems they have fooled a whole generation into believing this lie our youngsters and now all we see are these clowns pouring paint on oil paintings and orange powder on snooker tables but thankfully there are people willing to question these clowns please welcome katie hopkins let me ask you another question phoebe uh, let me ask you what bills do you currently pay who pays for your accommodation at university my student loan when have you ever paid any bills in your lifetime no. So you don't know what it's like to be a homeowner and not to be able to afford your energy bills and then see some stupid young people throwing soup over a painting in a gallery that has nothing to do with the fact they can't afford to pay their bills. You don't know what it's like to pay a bill, Phoebe, do you? No, but I have empathy for those people. 
you know this the climate crisis is fueled but the cost of living crisis is fueled by the cost of oil crisis they are both one crisis it's a crisis of greed of our government and their billionaire friends what do you understand about an ordinary family who can't afford to pay their fuel bills who needs ordinary fuel to be delivered but because of green taxation their bills are now so expensive they can't afford them and if we stop oil how much more expensive do you think fuel is going to be phoebe or is it that you're just spouting out words that you and your friend think look good how is it related to stopping oil to throw soup over a painting in a gallery? How is that related? How is it helping the poorest people in my country? I understand that right now, fossil fuels are subsidised 32 times more than renewables, even though renewables are nine times cheaper. Would you rather your bills were £3,500 or £400? I would rather that you and your friends stopped wreaking havoc in the city of London. I'd rather you stop throwing soup over paintings, stop putting uh, orange paint on the windows of Harrods, stop sitting in roads so that my friend couldn't get the treatment that she needed. And I'd rather you went out, worked a bit. Maybe you could do some litter picking on a beach. Maybe you could do something that was practical and helpful. But I don't think being obtrusive and obstructive and lecturing ordinary people when you have no idea what it's like to try and work and make ends meet in the UK. You talk about millions of people. You talk about people who are in poverty. You have no idea what that's like because you live in the rarefied atmosphere of a university at some woke karate place and you think what you're doing is changing the planet i think what you're doing is pissing people off and i think you could allocate your energies more effectively by going out and picking up, picking up litter on a beach thank you can i just thanks katie hopkins for putting that <sighs> what should we call her well the name's phoebe plumber she's certainly got a plum in her mouth uh typical rich kid Never paid a bill, never had to scratch around for your next meal kind of thing. Never done anything really in this world, but wants to save the planet from CO2. My God. Now, in the past, I've talked about they're coming for every part of your life, basically. Um, so we've been waiting for a while. Who's going to ask the question and when's the question going to be asked? The question being, when are they going to take people's properties off them and how are they going to do it? According to this great reset, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. So with all the waiting, it's finally came. And it's it's come from a source that we thought it was, it would come from, uh, which is a CEO of JP Morgan Chase Bank, Jamie Dimon. Now, Jamie Dimon, he's been well and truly bought by the World Economic Forum. Uh, and he's also been linked and visited many times the Epstein Island um, people are just looking into that as we speak. Um, Whitney Webb, for one. So if you want to find out anything more about the CEO of JP Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon, and his links to Jeffrey Epstein, go and check out Whitney Webb's Unlimited Hangout podcast. 
absolutely brilliant. So let's look at what Jamie Dimmons saying. <clears throat> so JP Morgan Chase, CEO Jamie Dimon, believes the US government should seize proper, uh, private property to combat climate change. Now, this is not an exaggeration. We've been we've been holding out for this question, like I said, for quite some time because that is part of the plan of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset to take everyone's properties off them, whether you own them or not, it doesn't matter. It's coming. In his annual letter to shareholders, that was dated the 4th of April 2023, Jamie Dimon stated, governments, businesses and non-governmental organisations may need to invoke imminent domain to get adequate investments fast enough for grid, solar, wind and pipeline initiatives. Now, imminent domain is a legal term that describes the government using its power to expropriate private property from public use, provided that the government provides private owners proper compensation. Well, we'll see about that. Proper compensation. How would you compensate someone who you've just taken their house off? Yeah, here's... Here's three hundred thousand pounds. That's the that's the uh, your house is worth three hundred thousand pounds. You probably get less for it than that, because it's not up to scratch with all the latest green technology that you need, according to the powers that be. So now you have to have, you have to sell your house at half the price. I tell you, it's coming, people. It's coming. It's all in the pipeline. It's all plans. They're not happening one after the other. They're happening slowly and surely, but we'll see. So keep your ears open for that one, Jamie Dimon. And like I said, go and check Whitney Webb's Unlimited Hangout podcast. You'll find out all about Jamie Dimon and what kind of a man he really is. If you want to find the article that uh, Jamie Dimon um, wrote about combating climate change, um, it was originally published by Armstrong Economics on the 12th of April, 2023. Implementing socialism would be the fast track way to achieve the World Economic Forum's objective. You will own nothing and be happy. Dimon is jumping right to the chase, no pun intended, and proposing state ownership and the complete abolition of capitalism. The need to provide energy affordably and reliably for today, as well as make the necessary investments to decarbonise for tomorrow, he says, underscores the inextricable links between economic growth, energy security and climate change. We need to do more and we need to do so immediately, Dimon added. So climate complexity and planning is part of this um, this piece. So they say the window for action to avert the costliest impacts of global climate change is closing. At the same time, the ongoing war in Ukraine is rolling trade relations across Europe and Asia. <laughs> yeah, right. And redefining the way countries and companies plan for energy security. All planned by yourselves. The need to provide energy affordably and reliably for today, he says, 
as well as make the necessary investments for decarbonised uh, for decarbonised for tomorrow. Underscores the yeah, I've, I've said that. Sorry. So, pretty much, it's a trap. Your government has manufactured the cost of living crisis just to advance the great reset plan to ensure you will earn nothing and apparently be happy about it. They are attempting to instill panic for a problem, problem that does not exist. We must surrender all of our liberties to the government to prevent naturally occurring changes in the weather. This is how mad these people are. There is no climate emergency, but the global temperature record says we're in a climate emergency. It's just a con, another con. But people are waking up now. The internet has woke up so many people these last 20, 30 years. You look in the past, people could just get their information from newspapers and the news on the TV. And now they can go and search for it themselves and find out the real truths of these problems that arise. They're doing everything possible to defeat our way of life. Everything possible. Well, if you haven't noticed already, our quality of life has been declining since the planned pandemic. When governments stretched their reach as far as they could, they openly discussing their uh, they openly discuss their plans to revoke our freedoms and they do it in plain sight. Now I want to talk a little about, um, see if any of you have heard of this website, deagle.com, D-E-A-G-E-L, deagle.com. I think it's um, it's kind of like a military website. It shows you how, how much military powers around the world, um, population forecasts, uh, me and a friend, Nova, looked at this website a couple of years back, 2020, I think it was, the start of the pandemic, or a few months into the pandemic at least, where we was hearing stories of um, the depopulation agenda, the these eugenicists. And we got put on to Deagle.com, and we looked at the figures on Deagle.com, which have now disappeared. They've taken them down. But... I can confirm one, well, me personally, I did look at them. Uh, and it said we're going from 60 odd million in this country. Uh, and 2025, it's estimated that figure went down to, I think it was something like 25 million or 15 million. So I don't know where they're going to get rid of all these millions of people in this country. But. The current events suggest Deagle's apocalyptic depopulation forecast for 2025 is not just an estimation. It was back in October 2020 where Swiss lawyer Michael Lusk wrote an article on, link, on his LinkedIn page urging that in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, Deagle's 2025 forecast be given serious attention. Lusk's article fo uh, focused on the economic well-being of people comparing citizens of NATO and non-NATO countries. So based on Deagle's forecast in 2025, Lusk wrote, in Deagle's image of 2025, Russia flowers while Europe is ruined. Deagle signals that Great Britain is to be ruined most comprehensively. Now, like I said, 
Google.com's infamous 2025 population forecast was removed from their website in April 2021, but the content was reproduced by Noble, Noble Art for reference purposes only, apparently. In a September 2021 article, um, Deagle was described um, as a corporation as a minor branch of US military intelligence. So that's what it is. It's a minor branch of US military intelligence. And he explored what the population reduction in the 2025 Deagle forecast could mean in terms of what we were witnessing at the time of the pandemic. There are all sorts of people slicing and dicing these figures, he wrote, and then he went on to discuss some theories. While they didn't agree with these theories, he conceded, nevertheless, they do point out something interesting, that there is a direct correlation between the nations that are giving mRNA vaccine, vaccinations and those that do not. While the forecast population redu reduction raises many questions, Lusk's analytics um, analysis adds another perspective considering what we are witnessing two and a half years later, maybe three years later, in the splitting of the world into two. NATO and BRICS, basically. BRICS is, is uh, let's just call it another NATO, but the, the East's version of NATO, that's what it's coming to now. Uh, just to let you know, if anyone is out the loop in knowing what BRICS actually stands for it's basically an acronym for the five leading economies in the east uh well i say east but brazil's part of that as well so it's brazil russia india china and south africa simple as that i've talked in previous podcasts about how the uk government has been using fear campaigns to get the public to comply with whatever they want on the day Behavioural science used on an unsuspecting public it does not bode well with me. And it just shows the lengths they will go to to get their own way and to get you to do as you're told. Well, on that score, Dr Christian Buckland, who's the chairman of the board of the UK Council for Psychotherapy, as an has written an open letter to installed and unelected Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, condemning the use of unethical psychological techniques and behavioural science on the unknowing and non-consenting UK public. Among numerous harms caused by the use of psychological techniques to increase fear, shame and guilt is that it materially undermined, if not removed, the UK's population's ability to give valid informed consent to take a COVID-19 vaccine. So I'm going to read you out his letter to the puppet Prime Minister of the World Economic Forum, the UK government's his very own Rishi Sunak. Dear Prime Minister, I am the chairman of the board of the UK Council for Psychotherapy, UKCP one of the UK's most foremost psychological governing bodies. However, I write this open letter in my own capacity. I believe I have a professional obligation to write to you in an attempt to protect the public from any further harm caused by the unethical 
application of psychological research and practice. I unreservedly condemn the UK government's use of unethical psychological techniques intended to elicit feelings of fear, shame and guilt under the guise of behavioural science and insights which were designed to change the public's behaviour without their knowledge and conscious participation. It is now clear that in 2020 the UK government deliberately chose to artificially inflate the level of fear within the UK population by exaggerating the risk factors of COVID-19 and downplaying the protective factors, ivermectin, etc. We also witnessed the government's promotion of social disapproval and guilt messaging. These techniques were embedded into a multi-channel coordinated public health campaign designed to change the public's behaviour without their knowledge. Moreover, in tandem with the mainstream media, the government also proactively suppressed, censored and ostracised any healthcare professional or scientist who suggested alternative responses to the COVID-19 pandemic, or who simply questioned the messaging and measures being implemented by the UK government. It goes on. Evidence of the recommendation of using unethical psychological techniques to gain behavioural change. The government document titled Options for Increasing Adherence to Social Distancing Measures was written for the government by the Scientific Pandemic Insights Group on Behaviours, SPI-B, which is a subgroup of the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, which is SAGE. Who funds SAGE, I wonder? I think we all know that. The premise of the document was to provide options for changing the behaviour of the UK public without their knowledge. A passage within this document states, a substantial number of people still do not feel sufficiently personally threatened. It makes certain recommendations, including the perceived level of personal threat needs to be increased among those who are complacent, using hard-hitting emotional messaging, coercion, social disapproval. The recommendations made by SPI-B include ones intended to elicit feelings of fear, shame and guilt. Psychological practitioners know that deliberately trying to frighten someone into change with erroneous or exaggerated information can easily cause long-term psychological damage. We also know that using social disapproval can create splits and divisions within society. <laughs> Just coming away from that, um, this letter. Splits in society, that's another perfect example of divisions, how they divide our nation and obviously make it easier to police the more we're divided. So I'll, I'll carry on anyway. So where was I? We also know that using social disapproval can create splits and divisions within society and that inducing feelings of guilt can alleviate the risk of suicide. SPI-B also included a simple risk assessment matrix which acknowledges that the 
spill over effects of using media to increase the sense of personal threat and of using social disapproval could be negative. There is also a statement demonstrating that there was a full conversation regarding the spill over effects, although this does not appear to be fully documented. Surprise, surprise. The risk factors and ethics of using fear, shame, guilt and coercion would almost certainly have been known to the members of Spy B because several members were British Psychological uh, British Psychological Society, the BPS, registered chartered psychologists. In an interview with one of the members of Spy B, BPS registered educational psychologist Dr Gavin Morgan and he refers to the use of fear by his spy B colleagues and says as relayed by Laura Dudsworth in a state of fear clearly using fear as a means of control is not ethical what you do as a psychologist is co-construction using fear smacks of totalitarianism no shit Sherlock it's not an ethical stance for any modern government. Was it unethical to use fear? I asked. While I didn't suggest we use fear, but your colleagues did. What do you think of that? He paused. Oh God, another reluctant pause. It's not ethical, he said. It's not ethical. Now that was just, I wasn't going to read all of that letter. That was just part of that letter uh, written to Rishi Sunak. Oh, a nice bit of coffee. Written to Rishi Sunak by one of the top psychologists in the country. So you can't really argue with that, can you? Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope this podcast has raised more than a few eyebrows and maybe being the catalyst for yourself to go and take a look at what's going on in our world for yourself, away from mainstream media's lies, and away from fear, guilt, shame, and coercion. Thanks for listening. Until next time, toodaloo.